from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program of biographical interviews of people who have either chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life or who have a relationship with the Baha'i faith. Today I'm playing a telephone interview with Julie Retson Smith. Julie grew up as a Baha'i and pursued two careers, computer information systems and singer-songwriter. Julie recorded a CD in 1998 called Jewels from the Heart. Since 1997, Julie has been directing a Baha'i youth dance workshop called Nine, which stands for Now is the New Era. I started the interview by asking Julie where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in Winneka, Illinois, on the north shore of Chicago. It was a pretty protected community, not a very diverse community, but there was a lot of opportunities. The schools were really wonderful. I had good friends. I was lucky to grow up there, actually. Why is that? Just because of all of the opportunity and the quality of the education that I received. Also, we were right off the shore of the, of the lake, so we could spend the summers at the beach, and we just had a lot of different things that we did. And also, I was close to the house of worship, so I was able to participate in Baha'i activities there for a long time, and I didn't really realize how unique of an experience that was or how important it was until I moved away when I was in high school, and then that wasn't there anymore. So you grew up as a Baha'i? Yes. Do you know the story of how your parents became Baha'i? It's an interesting story. I can go way far back. (laughs) My grandfather, he became a Baha'i. He had a printing company, And he met a doctor, he was doing a printing job for him, and he went to go talk to him, and this doctor and his secretary were Baha'is. And I guess when my grandfather left the uh, office, he said, oh, he's a Baha'i. He just knew it. So he began teaching my grandfather the faith. Then my grandfather became a Baha'i, and my grandmother um, became a Baha'i after that. And then my dad was also raised as a Baha'i. My mom became a Baha'i when I was six. She wasn't a Baha'i when my parents first got married. There were a lot of really strong Baha'is in that area, so they made sure that we went to Sunday school classes. It was really a neat opportunity. It was probably the reason I'm still a Baha'i today, because of the very first Sunday school teacher I had. Or Her name was Minnie, and she was this little woman who just loved us so much. And if I ever did anything that would have led me away from the faith, I always, in the back of my mind, felt how disappointed Minnie would be, and I never did. You know, she was always a part of my life from when I was probably five years old. You said you left home at high school? Tell me about that. We moved. My parents uh, got divorced, and I moved to New Jersey. So okay. high school was in New Jersey, and then um, I was actually born in Boulder, Colorado, when my parents were at school there, and that's where I went back to school for college. So I came back out to Colorado in 1978, and I've been here ever since. (laughs) And what did you study in college? Computer information systems was one of the first classes to graduate with that degree. Um, We were still running 
large-scale mainframe computers on card decks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Were there very many women in your school? Not as many as there were men, but in that degree field, there were more women than there were in others because it was a kind of a field of opportunity and they needed people and there was a lot of chances to do stuff. In the business school, there weren't as many Mm -hmm. women as there were like in arts and sciences and some of the other schools, but it was starting to pick up. What did you do after college? I worked for Kodak in Windsor. And I did some of their um, large database system design. I don't know if anybody even remembers the disk film cameras, but I worked on that project for a while. Programmed a lot of the um, manufacturing systems and also helped to design some of the bigger databases. And then we moved to Colorado Springs, and I worked for Honeywell for a while. And then I worked for um, Current, which is a large mail-order company, and helped to initiate the checks program there and also um, was in charge of their large the mailing list at one point. So I had a lot of different jobs at Current. We moved around the company a lot. It was a really positive company for opportunities. I've always done theater and performing and music um, on the side professionally as long as I could, but, you know, you have to have another job, too, to support it because it doesn't pay as much. <laughs> How early did you get involved in the performing arts? When I was six, they used to have a thing in Winneka when school got out, the last day of school, and for that weekend and the weekend after, too, I think, they had this big thing called the um, fair. They had a big fair, and they had a show that they put on as part of it. And I think every kid in town practically auditioned to be part of it, and I started as a cloud in your good man, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then you, you loved it, huh? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always did that. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I was able to find a really fantastic voice teacher who um, really took my performance to another level. That was exciting. You said you're a singer and an actor? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And did you sing and act in, in college? I did a couple of shows with the university, and then I got really involved in my other studies mm-hmm. and didn't have the time that I needed to do it. Then after I graduated, I started doing community theater wherever I could and started working professionally more or less by the mid-'80s. And what productions did you do in community theater? There's a show called The Robber Bridegroom. Mm-hmm. I did that one a couple of times. I did Oklahoma. And then once I started in with the professional stuff, I played Celia in A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Marion in The Music Man. I think my favorite role I ever did was Kate in Kiss Me, Kate. And why is that? It is so much fun to be a brat on stage. What? (laughs) You answered my question. (laughs) And she has some great singing numbers and a large vocal range and a great variety, and it's just really fun. It's a musical of The Taming of the Shrew. It's kind of a show-within-a-show sort of thing, but it was really fun. I enjoyed that. And you said you started going professional soon after you were working? Yeah. Are you a musical composer? I do write songs. You're a singer-songwriter? Yes. I play the guitar and the piano and the violin. That's another thing that was an opportunity in Winnetka. There was a guy there, Dr. Goldberg, my goodness. I started playing violin when I was five, 
and he had this Suzuki program that was amazing. Mm. And so I really attribute a lot of my musical ability to that program. And if I hadn't lived there, I probably would have never had that chance. And so uh, that's kind of started me on stuff, and I really started singing when I was in junior high, like in eighth grade. I really started working on singing more. The music that I write tends to be sort of folk, light pop rock mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but I love performing the Broadway stuff the, the most. <laughs> I do a lot of different shows. Currently what I'm doing is interactive murder mysteries, where the audience has to solve the crime, and there's a murder that happens, and everybody, it's a, it's a dinner theater thing, and that's a blast. Um, I'm doing a lot of things with improv, and I mm-hmm. coach a high school improv team. I've also directed several, high, written and directed several high school plays, actually, and then uh, Murder Mysteries, they also were. And then I'm singing with a group called Cool Shoes, which is an a cappella group, and it's that I'm really enjoying. It's the first time I've done an a cappella thing, and that's really fun. What style of music is with the acapella? Is it sort of jazz or... 70s and 80s rock. Oh, interesting. So we sing like Pinball Wizard, Bohemian Uh Rhapsody, Get On Your Feet, which was Gloria Estefan, Free Ride, lots of classic 70s and 80s rock stuff. Come Together, Beatles things, lots of Beatles. My uh, son-in-law, his name is Chris Hampton. He lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he owns a murder mystery dinner theater. Oh, fun. And he writes his own plays. They're murder mystery spoofs, musicals. And he writes all of the material himself. So if you're ever in the Chattanooga area, you should look him up and do a guest appearance. (laughs) Yeah, we should connect with each other anyway. That would be fun just to do something with that. Yeah, because definitely there's a market there for that. People love it. So, have you made any CDs? Yes, I did record a CD of Baha'i music, actually. It was all original music that I had written in 1998. Mm-hmm. And what's so, the name of it? Jewels from the Heart, spelled J-U-L-E-S. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah. So, where can people find your CD? The Baha'i Distribution Service carried it for a while, but it's been a number of years. Mm -hmm. So probably they could order it through me. I still have about 150 of them sitting in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not bad. When I did an initial printing of 2,000, it's not bad to only have that many left. (laughs) Yeah. Now, do you have a website? I don't. Mm -hmm. I haven't ever had the energy to put it out, put it together. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, I probably should. Now it's become very easy, but yeah. I'm not even on Facebook. Ah, good, so. good for you. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever traveled doing your music? I have traveled with the murder mysteries. I've done two uh, USO, what do they call it now, AFE, Armed Forces Entertainment Tours. So we toured to England and Germany mm-hmm. and also did a second tour to Japan and South Korea and performed on the military bases. That was with with the interactive, with the murder mysteries. Mm -hmm. And and I always sing as part of the mystery. (laughs) (laughs) So I get my number (laughs) one way or another. That's great. You said we earlier, I think, when you said you moved from one place to the other. Did you get married at some point? I am married, but not till I was in college. I have four sisters, or three sisters. There's four of us all together. And then I have a half-brother and a half-sister. So mm-hmm. my mom and my three sisters and I moved to New Jersey. 
Mm-hmm. And my dad, then he remarried and had two other children. In moving to New Jersey was my sisters and my mom and I. <laughs> After college, you were married. Yes, I got married my senior year in college. And you were working right around where you went to school? Not exactly. I don't know how familiar you are with Colorado, but we lived sort of in the Denver area, and then I worked up north towards Fort Collins, and Kevin worked down, my husband Kevin worked down south in Colorado Springs. Sort of lived in the middle (laughs) and commuted a long way. Did you try to get your musical career going so that it could be a full-time occupation? Yes and no. We had kids. Our daughter was born in 1985, and at that point I had to make a choice of what I was going to do. And really, I couldn't stand being gone six nights a week. Usually theater is dark on Monday nights. And then other than that, you have six, seven, you know, if you have a matinee, you might have seven or eight shows a a week when I was doing that. I ended up just doing um, smaller things that had shorter runs, really pursuing my own songwriting rather than doing all the things I was doing on stage. Now, you said you produced a CD with Baha'i themes. What were some of the Baha'i themes that you wrote about in your songs? Uh, one of them is unity, which is a really basic Baha'i theme. It's probably the most basic part of the whole reason why Baha'u'llah has come in this age is to bring about that unity. There's another one that uh, several of the writings of Baha'u'llah that I set to music. And then another one which is called Prayer. And it really was more about that longing to be reunited with your creator and a spiritual search. There's two songs that are not Baha'i necessarily. Mm-hmm. One is a song that I wrote for the SIDS Foundation, which is at Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. I had a niece that, or a nephew, sorry, a nephew that died of SIDS. And so at one of their memorial services, they contacted me and asked if I would write a song for that. Mm-hmm. And that one's called Forever in My Heart. So that one's on there. And then there's also one that's a Jewish prayer, actually, that called We Remember Them, that I've also recorded on there. Now, how did you pick up the Jewish prayer? I don't even know where I got it. Somebody gave it to me one time. Oh, yes, I do. My mother-in-law went to a memorial service, and she said, you need to set this prayer to music, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned several places where you worked. You mentioned Current, and is that where you're working now? No, right now I am not really doing a whole lot in the database field anymore um, except for different projects that I do as secretary or whatever for the faith. But for the most part, I am working now as a substitute teacher in Jefferson County Schools, and then I do um, my performing, and between the two of those, that's fairly decent support. Right. So what venues do you perform at? Uh, Adams Mystery Playhouse, which mm-hmm. is in Denver, and then I the, the, we do a lot of corporate shows where a company has a private party or a Christmas party or some kind of a celebration or a bonding kind of event, and they want something that's interactive where everybody can have a good time, so they hire the company to come and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then with Cool Shoes, the acapella group, we perform at lots of different venues all over the state. Now, do you have any recordings of the acapella group? Not yet. I just started singing with them in December. They do have a website, coolshoes.biz, I think, 
and they made an album and done all those things, but it was when they were six guys. So they've been together for about 10 years, and this is the first time they've ever had a female singer, so it's changing the repertoire quite a bit, and we're working on trying to put together what we'd want to do on a CD, and that's one of our goals for this summer is to make a new recording. Were they looking for a woman singer, or did they run into you and then think about, maybe we should have Julie come into the group? They actually were looking for doing something different, and they had thought about doing something with a female singer. So I auditioned with them and sang a couple songs with them, and our voices blended really well, and that was kind of the deciding factor. The substitute teaching, what subject are you, you typically substitute teach for? I substitute at the junior high and high school. I don't really substitute at elementary at all. Mm-hmm. And I do pretty much any subject in junior high. And then for high school, I focus on English and social studies or history. Very different from what your career was in computers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Substitute teaching? Yeah. I love it. I really love it. Why is that? I connect with that age group really well. I find the things that we do very interesting. It helps me to also keep in touch with what's going on in the world. And then I coach a high school improv team at one of the schools that I sub at a lot. That's also where I've done some directed, a couple written with the students that have helped me to write these murder mysteries. And then I cast it with students, and then I've been directing them. I've done that about ten times now, and it's really fun. I just love working with them. I've also been the coordinator of the Nine Baha'i Youth Workshop. Nine stands for Now is the New Era. And since, my gosh, since 1997 or earlier than that. Yeah, 97, since 1997. Twelve years? I've been, yep, I've been coordinating that, and it's been fantastic. Tell me more about it. Well, the youth workshops were started in the mid-70s in Los Angeles, actually in the Watts part area of Los Angeles, by a man named Oscar DeGru. He's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so we started one in Denver in about 1989 or so, somewhere around there, and then I became one of the coordinators in, in 97. And it uses dance and drama and poetry and the performing arts, really, to share a positive message about the problems that are facing youth today. So we have dances on the equality of women and men, substance abuse, racism, world peace, poverty, the eliminations of the extremes of wealth and poverty, the unity of all religions. And we perform a lot at different events and venues. But we've really tried to reshift the focus these last few years to align more with what's going on with the Baha'i Worldwide community in having study circles and going out and doing some of the teaching projects that are happening in different areas, just finding it as a way of mobilizing the youth and keeping them in the forefront of all of the activities and things that are going on. And what age group is the workshop? Well, you can't join till you're 12, and there's a lot of kids that are dying to <laughs> join, so I get a lot of them when they're 12, they join the workshop. And then pretty much they stay through high school or their first two years of college, so somewhere between 12 and 20. <laughs> a lot of mentoring going on then. Yeah. And how many youth are in the workshop? Over the years, it's ranged from 15 to 30. And what's the significance of the name Now is the New Era? Well, the youth in the workshop actually came up with that name themselves. 
And that was something of looking towards a positive view of the future and understanding that things don't have to keep going the way they always have been going and that they're youth that are committed to making a change and this is a new era and it's their era and they're going to make things different than they've been before. The improv team, is that middle school or high school? High school. So that's a good age for you too to work yes. with. Yeah. So you yes, like absolutely. You like middle school and the high school, both ages. Yep. So I guess you basically retired from your previous career then. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually I became uh, more like a stay at home mom. It was funny because I always thought as the kids got older it would be easier to keep working, but mm. it actually got harder <laughs> because they start getting involved in all these other projects and things, and there needs to be somebody there to take them to those things, mm. to be on top of what's going on, to be there when they come home from school, to be able to make sure that, you know, that they have a Girl Scout troop leader or that they have somebody that's there to, to do things for them. Mm. And uh, I ended up not really working. I ended up starting working part-time jobs, and I ran a theater company in Colorado Springs, Colorado Educational Theater, and I started doing theater programs in schools, teaching conflict management. With the, the Colorado Springs was Children's Awareness Theater, and then the, the uh, Colorado Educational Theater was the one with the conflict management using drama and theater to teach those skills to kids. And so I could work during the school day and be home after school. What was the technique for using drama for conflict resolution? It started with a play, and this whole program was put together by a woman named Catherine Yaffe, who lives in Boulder. And it starts with a play that she had written called Riff and the Forces of Doom, and it's a kid that's actually in school detention and starts writing a cartoon, and there's three characters that come to life. And one's name is Volcano, and he's a superhero, and his way of dealing with conflict is to just explode. And then Turtle Woman was the character that I played, and she um, would just hide and pretend like everything was okay, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And then in the end, she just had a meltdown because she had so much built up inside of her. And then the last character was Captain Harmony, and his way of dealing with it was to look at addressing the conflict and discussing the issues and all those kinds of things. So we would do the play, and then we had a whole series of workshops that were developed that would run for like six or eight weeks where it used theater skills and role play and different things like that to teach them about emotions and handling emotions, how to deal with list- what, what active listening is, lots of very cool things. Um, and it was, it's really a wonderful program. How old are your kids now? 24 and 21. And what are they doing? Um, our daughter lives in Boulder with her husband, and they just both graduated from college in December, and she's teaching a, a homeschool program for some parents in Boulder, and he's working for a computer software developer. And our son is oh, working right. at a coffee shop, and looking at going back to finish his degree. So, Julie, you've done a lot in your life, I can hear. Is there anything you haven't done that you would like to do? <laughs> <laughs> Even though we've traveled a lot, I would travel more. <laughs> I love traveling mm-hmm. and meeting new people and seeing different things that are going on in the world had the opportunity in a few places to work with different Baha'i communities, but I really would, 
I would travel a lot more. As a family, we traveled a lot. And then when I was in high school, I did semester at sea, uh, college, I did semester at sea. Mm-hmm. And we left from Fort Lauderdale, sailed around the world, came back in San Francisco and had stops all along the way. We've been on Baha'i pilgrimage twice. Now, Julie, can you explain to folks what Baha'i pilgrimage is? Well, the Baha'i World Center is in Haifa, Israel, and there's two very holy sites that are there, the holiest places for the Baha'is. One is the Shrine of Baha'u'llah, where Baha'u'llah is buried, and Baha'u'llah is the founder of the Baha'i faith, and we believe he's the promised one of all ages, and the purpose for him coming is the unification of the world. And before him, there he had a forerunner whose name was the Bab, and that means the gate. And so he was really the gate between the Adamic cycle, which started with Adam and then ended with the Bob, but it was the transition to the age of fulfillment, which is where we are now in the fulfillment of God's greatest plan for all of humanity. So the shrine of, of, of the Bob is also there where he is buried, and those two holy sites are there. And then the Universal House of Justice is the supreme governing body of the Baha'i faith for the whole world, and the location of where they meet and have all of their things, the seat of the Universal House of Justice, is actually within walking distance of the Shrine of the Bab. So when you go on pilgrimage, you get to pray in the shrines, you get to visit the memorial gardens and the places where different members of the Baha'i Holy Family are buried and different significant people in the history of the faith are also there. And then you meet with the Universal House of Justice and get to learn what's going on at the Baha'i World Center and see all of the relics of the faith. There are a lot of different handwriting, you know, some of Baha'u'llah's tablets in his own handwriting and some things like that that are also kept in the archives there. So pilgrimage is really a, a very holy spiritual time where you get to really go and experience the different things in the history of the faith. And when did you go? We went in 1998. And then we went in 2008, so just, just almost a year ago. The Baha'i faith to me is very, it really is a very special thing, and I feel very blessed to be able to be a Baha'i and to be able to share Baha'u'llah's message with other people. The faith for me has provided a, a grounding and a foundation on which to build a family that was very positive. We didn't have to do things the way our parents did. We were able to look at the Baha'i teachings and really learn new skills to help our children grow up to be different from those, those around them. Um, and also, it also has given me hope in looking at what's coming in the world and where we're going. It also gives me hope in seeing the world appears to be disintegrating around us But really what's happening is that there's a whole new world society that's being created underneath all of that disintegration. And to see a purpose in that disintegration and hope for the future, the Baha'i faith really gives me that. And I really believe that Baha'u'llah's teachings are the foundation on which a whole new world society is going to be created, a society of peace, a society of harmony, where we start to look at the contributions that every person can make to society rather than trying to keep people down and trying to be superior to one another, but really working together to make things better. And I think it will be the doorway to solving all of the world's problems from the economic crisis to our environment when we all start working together as equals. 
and, and really realizing the uh, potential that every person and every culture has to bring to solving those problems. The high faith to me is the answer in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview with Julie Retson-Smith, a Baha'i singer-songwriter and director of the Baha'i Youth Workshop 9, Now is the New Era. After the close of the program, I play selections from Julie's CD, Jewels from the Heart. For a copy of this and other programs, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
you 
Light this candle with the torch of the fire of thy love. Without ears, thy voice we still can hear. Without eyes, thy beauty we can see. With thy grace.
to it and heard its roaring. Justice is allowing fairness to guide your actions and decisions. Justice is someone being judged individually, not based on the capacity of another, which also means that people receive what they need to survive or accomplish a goal. Justice is being open to ideas that are best for a given situation. First and foremost, truthfulness is being able to be honest to oneself. And only then is one able to proceed with extracting honesty and truthfulness from others. Patience. First thing I think of when I think of patience is my son Adam. He's developmentally delayed and even the smallest thing takes so much time to accomplish. Every day is a test for me to remember, stop, take a deep breath, be patient because when I'm not patient, the frustration is overwhelming. And when I'm patient, I can enjoy the journey without worrying so much about the destination. Kindness to me is an important aspect in my life. Kindness means being respectful, 
making someone feel better when they're down, and allowing someone to take your place. Being kind to others makes me feel better about myself. Hello, I'm Warren Odeschalette, host of A Baha'i Perspective on Saturday mornings here on WXOJLP. As you know, nothing is really for free. Although Valley Free Radio has the word free in it, we still have to pay the electric bill and the rent and any repairs or replacement parts to our very used equipment. So we hate to hear the sound of... That's right, dead air. So please join us in supporting local radio programs that you won't even hear at your local public radio station. Please send your contributions to Valley Free Radio, 140 Pine Street, Florence, Massachusetts, 01062, and help us stay on the air. Thanks. Service to me is any activity that is performed in the spirit of benefiting others uh, for their common good. And this is to me like worshiping God, which is our purpose. Forgiveness is about opening your heart and acknowledging that we are all human and sometimes make mistakes. Forgiving gives us an opportunity to cleanse our spirits because in the process, we let go of resentment, anger, and hostility, all ungodly sentiments. By forgiving, we replace these emotions with love, tolerance, and acceptance. Sometimes we forget that while it is important to forgive others, forgiving ourselves for our errors and shortcomings is just as important. I know that's where I have trouble. When I truly forgive myself for a mistake I made, it allows me to heal, to grow, and become my true spiritual self. Humility is like the opposite of conceit. Humility to me is a virtue not easily practiced by many because it involves putting others ahead of you. You know, not always thinking about what makes you stand out in front of others but that you are just a part of a larger plan. You are playing a role in this age of mankind. Everyone knows what it's like to be a teenager. It's a time when anything that anybody says to you or about you will stay in your brain forever and make you overanalyze yourself for hours on end, especially if it's something the least bit critical, which is why tactfulness is so important. It's okay if you don't like something, and it's okay if you want to voice that. But do so with tact and save us a couple hours of overanalyzation. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.